Welcome to Welcome to Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Charmed, Charmed Classic, Season 2, Episode 12, Awakened. Awakened. Awoken. This episode was written by Valerie and Vivian Mayhew, who wrote a previous episode that we talked about, that old Black Magic. Yeah, the one with the Bernadette Peters witch. Yes. And you'll remember... I mentioned on that episode that they don't really have any other credits other than one episode of X-Files, mm-hmm. but that I adore their names because they sound like witches. They sound like they should be writing on a witch show. Yeah. Valerie and Vivian Mayhew. Yeah, those are some witchy-ass names. And this episode was directed by Anson Williams, who directed several episodes of this show, but this is the first one that we've seen him do. Mm. So this is a weird one because I feel like Honestly, it's kind of in the run for one of Charm's strongest episodes, except there are two really, really stupid plot things that kind of make it not work as well. Yeah, when we sat down to watch this one, I was groaning. I was like, ugh, this one. And you were arguing, wait, no, this is a good episode. And... Just taken on its own, I guess it's not bad. I guess it is really well done, but but the, the only premise things... the premise is uh-huh. so annoying to me that I can't get past it. Okay, you're coming at it from a different angle. I was because I was like, I feel like the only things people remember about the episode are the fact that you know there's a ninja doll that stabs a disease into people. Yeah, that's a thing. Like, and also. Oh, just there's so, so, so many questions about the White Lighters here. Yeah, that too. It's so early in the show for there to be, you know, so many issues with how White Lighters work, but... We're barely halfway through the second season and already it's super inconsistent. It's it, it's a word I was I was trying to avoid, but yeah. Inconsistent? If only because in Alison Pregler's Charmed Reviews, she uh, every every season she'd do a list of the white lighter inconsistencies. But... I mean, it is what it is. She was right, and there's not really a better word for it, so... Yeah, there there is... We'll talk more about personal gain in this episode. So the episode opens with P3, the club that Piper runs when she remembers she's running a club sometimes. Yeah, so we open on her chopping lemons at the bar, even though she's clearly very sick. She has, like, a hacking cough. and I would not want to drink a drink that was made by her. No, and not just a drink, but she specifically got her non-gloved hands all over the lemons that are going to go into people's drinks. I know working through sickness is part of the, like, Protestant work ethic that underlies American society. But in this mid-COVID world, this is horrifying to watch. Mm. Also, clubs. God. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine going to a club? I actually last night had a dream that I was clubbing with one of my high school friends. Wow. I'd go clubbing, like, once every... God... I don't know, five, six months, uh, when I was near the end of, an a- and for a while after college, it kind of stopped when I moved to Portland, but every five or six months was long enough for me to remember that I don't actually like going to clubs. But, you know, you'd do it if it was what your friends were doing. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know, I'm, I don't want to say an introvert, but just the thought of going to a club and, like, listening to music you can't control, drinking drinks that are so expensive when you know there's no reason for them to be that expensive. And also you can't really have a conversation, and usually there's smoke. I, yeah. I'm generally not a fan of clubs because I generally find them boring, like... That's not a thing that's interesting to me. Honestly, the best club I've ever been to, and one that I would go to all the time if it existed in Portland, because it was in Italy, it was in Sorrento, was a karaoke club, but they didn't really get how you're supposed to do karaoke. Mm -hmm. So instead of people signing up and singing songs, they were just playing amazing karaoke songs with these screens all around the bar that had the lyrics and then there were like five mics that were just circulating in the crowd getting passed around and just everyone was singing so just like an entire bar of drunk italians singing along to madonna songs it was i i would go to that club every single night if it existed you know a place where i could go it's weird because my favorite bar, you know, experience was also in Italy. It was when I was doing my year abroad, mm-hmm. semester abroad, when I was in Florence. And there was this bar that, I mean, this is very on brand for me, but they, uh, one wall had like this giant projector on it and they'd constantly play like the heavy metal movie. Uh-huh. And like the walls were like garishly cartoon painted and... It was just really fun. They had, like, these broken uh, uh, air hockey tables. Oh, uh uh-huh. Like, it was this neon nightmare, but I loved it. We went went there all the time. Oh, the other club I really like that is here in this town is Punchbowl Social. And I love that club because it's, like, all of the clubs that I created in The Sims when I had to create a club that I would want to go to because... It's a club. But it's also karaoke. Okay. Not karaoke, not public karaoke, karaoke rooms. It has karaoke rooms and also a bowling alley and also a lot of video games and also like a shuffleboard court. And don't they have like nine pin bowling? Isn't that a thing they have there? I think they have like regular full size bowling. Huh. Yeah. They, they, they definitely have bowling there. And also there are, like, little areas set aside next to fireplaces with tall wingback chairs so you can sit and have a conversation. Do they have pin, did you mention pinball machines? I'm pre, I'm I said sure. video games, but yes, they, have, they have pinball machines mm. and extraordinarily alcoholic milkshakes. They're really good. We actually won a trivia contest there once. We did. Yeah. God. Man, I miss... Everything. Yeah. So, back in the fictional world of Charmed, Phoebe's like, Hey, Piper, maybe if you're really sick, you shouldn't be barehandedly cutting lemons and putting them in drinks you're giving to people. Who are you, Typhoid Mary? Yeah, so Phoebe also mentions that she's just enrolled in college, so I guess that's a thing that we're going to follow up on, definitely, for sure. Is this at the right time for them to be ripping off Buffy going to college? I'm not sure if it is. 
Um, this is 2000, so oh, yes. No. Yeah, yeah, the, the Buffy going to college thing would be. But I don't think they're really ripping it off so much as not knowing what to do with Phoebe. She has been kind of, I mean, I know it's part of her character arc, but she has been kind of directionless. Remember when she was a candy striper for like one episode? Oh gosh, yeah, I do remember that. Although she could still be doing that, because that's a volunteer job. She could still be doing that, you know, between episodes. She could still be doing that police psychic thing she pitched to Daryl. Well, he turned her down, but they could have gone that direction. It's weird that they kind of had a good direction to go with her, and instead of following up on it, they just had another character shoot it down and be like, nope, we're not doing that. That's not what this show is. I mean, they also kind of did that in the episode where she starts working for Prue at Buckland's. Right. It was like, oh, hey, Phoebe can find enchanted objects and get visions and we can have lots of episodes of the week here. But nope. Just no. kidding. Nope. Turns out just doesn't want to work for her sister. So eh. interesting concept out the window. Or she could have been working at that hotel telling fortunes. Hmm. That could have been a thing. Yeah. So many abandoned plots with Phoebe, and yet, as we will see in the future, Ask Phoebe? That's what we're going to stick with? <laughs> we're going to stick with Ask Phoebe? Honestly, all these strap plots, I'm like, you know what? Maybe New Charmed has more in common with Old Charmed than we thought. Yeah, right? So, Piper thinks Phoebe might have overextended herself because she has signed up for nine courses. Oof. That's too many. That's... That's not ten up. Like, four is a full load. You don't need to do all of college. At once. At once. And Phoebe even says it's because she doesn't know what she wants to do. And it's like, okay, but figure it out one elective at a time, not all at once. So, just a stray thought. Is it weird that they're not really talking about expecting... I don't, I keep trying to avoid the phrase secondary mutations, but Prue gets her secondary power way earlier than the other two. Huh. I don't think Piper gets hers until season three. And I don't know if Phoebe's levitation counts as, uh, like, sort of an offshoot of the flight power she gets because of French Stewart Genie near the end of this season. No, I don't think it is. I think it's just, I think that's her. She just coincidentally also developed the flying power. Yeah, I think that is the case. Sort of. No, but you're right. It's strange that they're not anticipating getting powers. Hmm. Anyway, Piper finally gives in to Phoebe hectoring her about how she shouldn't be infecting the whole bar. It is. Phoebe brings it up, you know, sort of circles the conversation back around to that to get away from explaining to Piper why I guess Piper and Prue are going to be paying for this much college. I guess. Because as Piper said, the bar is finally making a profit, which you've had it for like, what, a few months? That's actually really good. I wouldn't expect a bar to make a profit in its first year. Mm. Yeah. Or a club. Club more than a bar, right? Yeah, yeah it's a club. Although, you know... You know, they did have the super famous band Dishwalla play there, so... Dishwalla? Yeah. Oh, they did... And, I mean, they do serve alcohol. It's not like the Smash Club in Full House, where Jesse's all like, I have the greatest idea. You know the thing that's the biggest markup? The biggest moneymaker for venues? The alcohol? What if we just didn't serve any? 
Okay, Jesse is the most G-rated rebel ever. Remember when his old bad friend came to town and... Played by Scott Baio? Played by Scott... Played by Scott Baio. And, like, they have this rocking party that gets Daniel honked off because his girls were there, even though no one was doing anything even slightly scandalous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Jesse was a bad boy by the limits of... By the limits of must-see TV. Yeah, I mean, he was... Was it, was it must-see TV? No, no, it was TGIF. TGIF. But, like, they couldn't have made him into modern songs... Like, he was into Elvis, even though Elvis died when he was very young. Like, and hadn't been, like, cool, cool for quite some time before that. Yeah, we looked it up. I think the character of Jesse was, like, 14 when Elvis died. Like, that would be, like, me being really obsessed with, I don't know, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, like... If you were super obsessed with Nirvana, hmm. that... But you might not want to sing some Nirvana songs in front of your nieces. <laughs> Fair. Or or any. Yeah, like... Okay, I feel like we're justified talking about Full House because it also takes place in San Francisco, so we're not that far off. Okay, okay. And... Nice justification. Go ahead. Anyway... Phoebe brings the conversation back to Piper being sick, so, you know, to distract from Phoebe signing up for all of these classes, but, you know, also it's a really good point. Piper should not be serving people. So Piper passes the fruit chopping duties, duties yes, over to Phoebe. And I said they were lemons. They're not lemons. They're Kuwano from South America. So, first of all, I don't even know why Piper is doing this i okay she says they're gonna use it for my ties but like i kept on thinking the fruit was quinoa which i know it's not but no that's a grain i know <laughs> i guess it wouldn't be the weirdest thing i've seen someone put in a martini but who's asking for that why is p3 making money when you're importing exotic fruits from south america that nobody is asking for to put into your gross watered down mai tais seriously piper maybe maybe if you wanted to have that be a selling point you should have opened up the restaurant you wanted also by the way piper had this illegally illegally brought in which probably cost even more money. And this is a garnish. I cannot emphasize enough. This is for sticking on the side of a cup. What? Meanwhile, at Buckland's, Prue and Jack are examining a painting that's also a metaphor for their relationship. And also a metaphor for the uh, ethical dilemma at the center of this episode. So... They have a painting that appears to be a Monet, but they're going to authenticate it by staring at it real hard. That's how you authenticate paintings, right? Yeah, yeah. Prue, Prue squints, and she's like, these, these brush strokes seem a little mechanical, and Jack keeps on making sexual innuendos about the painting until Prue turns around, and she's like, okay, what are you doing? And he's like, 
I want to know if we're going to start having sex. Are we dating? I don't know if we're dating because it seems kind of like we're not dating. They've clearly been dating for several episodes, but he's like, so are we a couple now? And she's like, never, never. I, what? Yeah, like you were on dates. What is the, what is any of this? Like I, I, I said, I remember saying earlier that I didn't remember them breaking up, and now I know why, because I guess they just retconned the whole relationship. So strange. Anyway, Prue's new boss comes in. Apparently she has a new boss. We saw him... Yeah, we've seen him for in a couple of episodes now. He didn't really get an intro, though, like, you know. No, he did. Remember, they had a big business meeting the first time oh, that... Oh, right, yeah. right. It's interesting how much Prue's been knocked off of her pedestal at Buckland's. She was single-handedly running that place. Now it looks like she's barely keeping a job. Yeah. Anyway, the boss comes in to check on them. And he's like, you two aren't having any romantic tension in here, are you? And they're like, no. And he's like, well, just so you know, all I care about is that you find this painting authentic so that we can sell it. That is all I care about. Which is incredibly pound foolish. Because if you become known as the auction house that sells forgeries yeah that's not good for business Mm. whatever anyway back at the club piper's dying yeah she's wandering around the club and phoebe's like hey you know how i told you you were sick you're sick you need to get out of here and piper's like no i'm perfectly fine and then she faints because it's tv yes okay so is it just me or do people go to the hospital really quickly in tv she fainted i guess i don't know i got really sick back when i lived in boston like cold all the time like needed to be under a hot shower as much as possible wrapped in blankets and i didn't go to the hospital and in retrospect i really probably should have because if you can't get warm at all that probably means that you've got a pretty bad something i got really sick from uh heat exhaustion Mm mm-hmm and I was, I yeah, I was in really bad shape. And this was when I was living alone. And later I Googled, you know, heat exhaustion. And it was like, if you're at this stage, you need to go to a hospital. And I was like, oh, I was at that stage, but I didn't go to a hospital. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it, this isn't a super flattering portrait of America, but I kind of just assumed it would bankrupt me if I went to a hospital. I mean... I, I, I don't know. I... Yes, American healthcare is terrible and not everyone can afford to go to a hospital. But if you faint, you need to go to a hospital. Okay, Wait, but... if you faint for unknown reasons. I have fainted on multiple occasions after giving blood. Mm. I really should just like not give... Well, no, I mean one of them was... I shouldn't go to yoga after giving blood. Yes, that that seems like it's a fairly good policy. I felt good, and then we did an inverted pose, and I was just on the ground. <laughs> Aren't you not supposed to exercise? I, I feel like it it's yoga. That's exercise. It's gentle. Ugh. It's gentle if you can do the poses. Yoga kicks my ass frequently. I am not a flexible person. Okay, I love yoga. I mean, I, I enjoy yoga, and I feel like it's a good workout. Because, you know, so tired when it's done. Anyway, Piper's in a coma. Yeah. At the hospital, Piper is in a coma. 
And God, she's got a lot of space. Sorry. This just reminded me of the Grey's Anatomy episode that aired a couple of years ago where Alyssa Milano and Holly Marie Combs played two sisters whose third sister was in a coma. Mm. And her face was like eaten by rats or something, so they had her face wrapped. Yeah, her face, yeah, she was in an accident, so her face was covered the whole time so that we couldn't see who the third sister was. And that episode was called Reunited, because, yeah. It's a Charmed reference. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Piper's not in a coma yet. Uh, She is, however, not doing well. Mm -mm. And they don't really know what's wrong with her. They're doing tests. It's uh, it's not looking great. It's not looking great. They uh, they have Holly Marie Combs in minimal makeup, makeup. Yeah, like sexy sick makeup, like TV sick makeup, like sick makeup. But they went light on it because it's still TV. Luckily, uh, Phoebe is here and she's dressed like a grape. She, you know what she's dressed like? What? She's dressed like Mabel Pines from Gravity Falls. She's got this fuzzy knit poncho and, like, a fuzzy knit hat, and she's wearing, like, a flowered peasant blouse underneath that. She's dressed like if Mabel Pines time-traveled to the 70s. Uh, Honestly, I think she's real college Willow. I think this is, like, high school Willow. Late high school Willow. Yeah, the outfit that this is most reminiscent of, of Willow's, is the outfit that she wears in... Doppelgangerland. Yes, that's the one with the vampire. Yeah, it's the one where the vampire doppelganger comes to the main universe. Not the one where she first makes the wish. Yeah, and well, where Cordelia makes the wish. Right, right. right. Yeah, because it's it's the sequel episode to that where Anya tries to get her to summon back her amulet because this was back when Vengeance Demons needed amulets. Yes. Mm. So she, yes, she looks like Willow from Doppelgangerland. Cordelia comes off kind of like a monster in that episode because she has, like, a non-reaction to Willow being a vampire. I get it, she was mad at Willow for kissing Xander, but, like, one of your friends died. You could be a little sad about that. Well, I mean, also, when you live in Sunnydale, you probably become a little... Numb? Yeah. Ugh. So Phoebe is asking the nurse about their doctor, and it turns out that there is a different doctor helping them, which you reminded me as a plot thread that will not come back up in this episode, but is actually laying the groundwork for future episodes. Yeah, there, he's, I think he only appears in one follow-up episode, but there is a thing that comes out of this. It's... It's an episode where chimpanzees get the girls' powers. Yeah. Uh... I didn't say it was a good follow-up, but it was a follow-up. So Phoebe decides to sit and wait for the doctor when a sick young man comes up to her in a wheelchair. Yeah. He has vague disease. And they, they talk about vague disease. He says that the doctors don't know what's wrong with him either. The doctors don't know what's wrong with Piper. They don't know what's wrong with him. This is a terrible hospital. (laughs) And Phoebe does the, like, adult talking to a child thing to try to bolster his spirits. And 
he shows her his ninja doll and Phoebe's like, you know what? That's not a ninja. That's a wizard. And what? What? Why would you? What? Why? Why, Phoebe? Why? But she tells, yeah, I, I, I don't know. She tells the kid that the doll is actually a wizard doll and it has special magical powers and then she uh, she describes all of the Charmed One's powers to him for some reason. Yeah, he can freeze time and he can... Move objects with his mind and he can kickbox because not even kids care about premonitions. She says that he can, you know, kick the disease's ass and keep this kid safe and healthy. And the thing is, uh, y- y- you didn't have to turn him into a wizard to say that. He, he could have just... Bit. Had ninja powers. Yeah, I mean, you're you're just saying crap anyway. What? I I'm so confused about why she was like, "This isn't a ninja; it's a wizard." Why couldn't he have been a ninja that goes in and kicks diseases ass? Also, don't say ass to children you don't know. Yeah. Or probably children you don't. You do know. Just don't say ass in front of children. So the doctor comes and he's like, "Hey, can you stop talking to this?" random kid who wheels his way over to the adult hospital i guess and uh come into the room i've got horrible horrible news about your sister you know it's horrible because he's got like a whole trail of interns following him Mm. this was like when i was in the hospital and my iron iv um oh yeah it, it spilled inside of you yeah which is apparently a weird side effect that doesn't happen very often which i know because doctors kept coming into the room and being like hey i heard your iron infused can i see do you still have that no it went away yeah because they said that you might have that patch of copper colored skin forever and then it it, it didn't so. i was looking for to that i was like that's cool but yeah, you no. could have told stories about it yeah it went away i'm glad i took a picture of it before it went away but anyway piper's gonna die piper is super gonna die apparently she got some sort of weird tropical disease from like banana spiders except whatever the fruit is called yeah yeah so it's basically this is what we call instant karma <laughs> the uh the food that she smuggled in contained a fly that probably bit her and infected her with this disease. And the doctor, so cold, he's like, it's so strange. Normally, the flies can't survive through the quarantine period. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Piper shows the doctor the fly bite and the f- doctor's like, get her 50 cc's of whatever. Not that it's going to help. And Piper's like, Really? really and the doctor says don't worry you're gonna get better or die those are the only two options you're gonna get better or die well good luck bye i mean yeah i mean isn't that sort of perpetually the thing when you go to hospitals either you get better or you die well you could also like stay sick for an extended period of time you could like have your immune system racked and then just like live with the consequences of that for the rest of your life Mm. not to be a downer yeah not that this is a super depressing episode to be talking about i was gonna say right now but right now has been going for so long i know it's been right now for over a year Mm. 
Piper wants to see Dan because he's her boyfriend, I guess. Mm. And the girls want to call Leo so that he can heal her. And she's like, no, do not call my ex. I don't know. If I had tropical dying disease, I think I would want my magical ex to just, like, pop in. Yeah. Give me one of them magic high fives. I think I would be less reticent about playing the Leo card in Piper's situation. I know, right? But they promise that they'll tell Dan what's up and that they'll, you know, be back as soon as possible. But she wants them to go about their lives, so that means Prue going back to work, staring at that painting. Mm. And Phoebe, I guess, going to class? We never see that. Mm. Weird that we never see that. I think she goes, like, twice and once is to meet Cole. I don't really remember college being a huge actual part of Charmed. Yeah, me either. I I do remember her meeting Cole on campus. I didn't even remember that that happened on campus. I can't wait till we get to Cole. Cole is the best, isn't he? We're all just treading water until we get to Cole. It's Cole's world. We're all just living in it. So at Buckland's, Prue is talking to Jack and he's all like, You should go home because your sister is dying. And Prue's like, I'm trying to keep my mind off of that. And she gets all vulnerable with him so that he can grope her. And he says, look, I get that you want to distract yourself from what's going on with Piper, but you're not going to be able to concentrate here. And I'm just going to do the thing I've done in the last, like, dozen cases we've handled and i'll just do everything while you go do whatever family stuff yeah i was gonna say that he says you know you go take care of your thing and i'll handle this and i'm like that's what you always do prue has not done a single bit of work since you started working there and even the stuff that it looks like she did like bring in new accounts and stuff only happened Because she stole a bunch of stuff from a woman she impersonated. (laughs) She impersonated and murdered. No, no. She murdered and then impersonated. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Anyway. How is Prue not in jail? Or rather, how is Prue not in more jail? Daryl! Right. God. Oof. Anyway, they get a call from the doctors and they all go running back to the hospital because it is even worse. Piper is in bad shape. Yeah. There was there was a brief scene with Phoebe and Dan where, you know, Phoebe's like, I sure hope Piper gets better. And Dan's like, don't worry. She's a fighter. I know because she's been fighting me every step of the way on our horrible, stupid relationship. That's true. That's accurate. And Piper's in a coma now. Yeah. Now she's in a coma. Piper's in a coma and the doctor comes up to them and he's like, so... I said she was either going to get better or die, and it doesn't look like she's getting better, so, like... Make of that what you will. Although, he he literally just comes up to, to them and says, Piper's gonna die, which does not seem like a very doctory thing to do, but fine. I do appreciate that this show is treating comas as serious, because I feel like a lot of this sort of show, even our beloved Buffy kind of just treats comas like putting characters on pause Mm, yeah it feels weird saying our beloved buffy with everything that's been going on with buffy recently it's true but lots of people are involved in the making of a show like it's hard to think about you know a show that gives us that much joy 
being a place that was that unpleasant for the writers and actors and everyone. I know. I really hate that. I, I feel like the the result of us learning all of this should be that Charisma Carpenter and Sarah Michelle Geller and Michelle Amber Trachtenberg. Benson. Oh, God. Yeah. Michelle Trachtenberg. She was just a kid. I know. But I... I, I think the result of this should be that they get to go out and make whatever they want mm. with whoever they want and i mean i know that's not what's gonna happen but that's what that's what restorative justice would look like i mean brendan Fraser got a bunch more chances after his story came out yeah but he's i mean that's a different scenario yeah he was higher profile and yeah and yeah oof Wait, although did he really? What's he done lately? Well, he was in Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in that. And he's in some other new movie coming out. I mean, there's a lot of stuff where he doesn't actually have to be on screen, which I guess is nice once you hit a certain age as an actor. Well, I mean, he... Yeah. I I wish Hollywood restorative justice was just all of the people who have been treated abusively by the system got to get their own system got to get out and make their own movies their own tv shows do their own passion projects and all the abusers just become like unhirable Mm. that's what i'm gonna dream about yeah so in charmed the girls go back to the manor to check the book of shadows Yeah, specifically, Prue is flipping through the Book of Shadows looking for a spell to fix Piper. And Phoebe's like, uh, we can't use magic to fix Piper, personal gain. And this is one of the things that really bothers me about specifically personal gain in this show. But, Mm -hmm. like, honestly, I I know white lighters kind of take this away from witches but i feel like one of the big things witches tend to have as a pop cultural phenomenon when they're not being portrayed as villains is healing abilities like healing feels like a very witchly thing yeah so it's kind of weird that healing isn't part of the witch's bag i know and i know that she has it because she's half white lighter but that's why I like it. One of the things I like about when Paige joins up with them. Also, it really doesn't feel like stopping your sister from dying is personal, personal gain. gain. Okay, so first of all, they're supposed to save innocence. She is an innocent. Just because she's their sister, all of a sudden it's personal gain. I don't know, maybe it's drag me to hell rules where if you commit an infraction, I mean, her infraction was bigger and drag me to hell, but like, as long as the sin is earned, it still counts. You mean because she smuggled fruit into the country? Yeah. she. That makes her not an innocent and therefore not eligible for healing. Ugh. Well, and but more importantly, if she dies, there's no power of three. I mean, we know there is, but let's not get into that. If she dies, there's no power of three. You're telling me that the universe is like, oh no, this is this is gonna send the karmic balance out of alignment when if she dies, essentially we're just giving evil a pass? Like, what what are they? Democrats? God. Yeah, it's 
basically every upper level demon takes a power of three spell to vanquish, right? Yeah. So, honestly, that really sucks for everyone else who's fighting evil in the world. Like, right? This is this is about the greater good. I mean, I guess you still have like sealing someone in a painting or whatever in your back pocket if you're not a charmed one. But that's the thing that's so frustrating about personal gain, right? Like, it's personal gain to use your powers to help a kid who's being abused. It's personal gain to help a ghost because he's a guy that you like. Like, this isn't... The personal gain rules are completely lacking in human compassion. Also, they kind of don't apply evenly. Like, I guess none of them getting the dates they wanted was the personal gain coming back when they used the spell to turn guys into sex toys in that one episode. But, like, I I don't know. This seems like a lot more altruistic, and it has a lot harsher consequences. It seems like personal gain... Like, the rules of magic require you to be a psychopath who feels no emotions. So you're saying Grams was, like, the perfect witch, then? And as this show goes on, the girls become less and less compassionate. And it's the rules of magic, as they're presented it to us, that make them like that. This the, I just keep thinking about that episode of Friends, where Joey argues that there is no moral good act because if you do something nice for someone else it makes you feel good therefore it is selfish yeah that's uh, i feel like magic has a back door where at any point they can be like ah personal gain gotcha (laughs) anyway before they try the spell they're gonna try leo so they just start shouting for leo to show up and it works he shows up yeah this is going to be a function of white lighter's later in the show where you can just call your white lighter and they'll show up here they're like leo's always around when he when we need him so let's just yell his name and hope he appears well he says that he's been hanging around because he's been keeping an eye on piper since she got sick so that makes sense i'm assuming celestially and not like physically peeping in on her yes that's what i assume i mean gosh are the white lighters psychic I'm trying to think, because they can hear the calls of their charges, but they also instinctively know when the charges are in danger. Yeah, but I don't think they can read the minds of their charges. No, but they can read their emotional states, and they can locate them. Yeah, they can, like, feel their charges kind of calling out to them when they're in danger. Like, not physically shouting for them like the girls were just doing, but they can feel their charges, like, being in danger. Although, later in the show... Leo mentions that he can sense when Paige is having sex. And that's how he knows not to orb in at an indecent moment. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like that should be a necessary part of your power set, dude. Well, I mean, useful for avoiding awkward moments? I guess. It's not like it stops him from orbing in when she's having sex. So Leo tells them that he can't heal Piper because the White Lighters already told him not to. The elders told him he can't. And even if he tried, he probably wouldn't be able to because she wasn't harmed fighting evil. She wasn't harmed by evil. 
Yeah. So did evil make Phoebe's tea cold when you healed that back when you revealed your powers to her? Did I mean, evil burst the pipes when you used your powers to heal the pipes? Like, really, Leo? Really? But this is also when it seemed like the elders kind of decided when he could or could not heal, which seems like such an asshole move on their part. Like, don't half give someone superpowers. I guess it makes him more like a cleric where you have to ask. Yeah, exactly like a cleric where you get your powers from the gods. And if you piss off the gods, you lose your powers. Spoilers for the end of this episode. But it also seems like clerics get more of free range with that sort of thing. Because just every morning be like, hi, God, can I have four healing spells? And God's like... You're devout enough to get four healing spells. I mean, I guess it depends on how strict your your DM is. I mean, you might have a DM who's like, ooh, you have been off the path, so no, all of a sudden your spells stop working. Thor's mad at you today, so you have to ask him every time before you heal someone. And then he's going to decide whether or not he likes that person before allowing you to heal them. I ran a game once where every player was a cleric, Mm. and I held them very strictly to their various religious codes to keep their powers going. Depends on how strict your DM is. Yes. So, once Leo has orbed out of the scene after telling him, whoops, can't do anything, my bosses are dicks... The uh, sisters decide, okay, fine, fuck it, we'll just use Book of Shadows magic. Well, then we'll find a spell. And we cut to them at the hospital where they've decided to use an awakening spell on Piper. Because if she pulls out of the coma, she'll be fine. Yeah, right? Okay, so you're with me on this. Her waking up from being in the coma doesn't make her not have this disease anymore, even though it does. Sort of. I don't know. Anyway, back at the hospital. Dan is sitting by Piper's side. The sisters are like, hey, Dan, can you get some sodas? Because we definitely aren't about to do some black magic here. Just just get out. Get out. One of the things the spell needs is a poppet. Yeah. Which is apparently a little doll you can use. Uh, so Phoebe's like, hey, I established a doll earlier in this episode. And she goes to the children's ward to see the young boy who has been cured of his unnamed disease off screen. Which is good because if you took a doll away from a sick child, that would be terrible. But you could take it away from a well child, especially if you're like, hey, the doll healed you. I need it to go heal my sister. And then the kid's like, okay, here you go. It's been like an hour. How quick did they figure out what was wrong with that kid? I guess it was just indigestion all the time. They discovered that I accidentally ate an entire pack of army men. Oh, that actually sounds conceivably (laughs) harmful. Yeah. So... Phoebe asks if she can borrow the wizard doll for her sister because her sister doesn't have magical cured instantly disease. And the boy's like, what do I give a fuck? I'm all, I'm I'm better. Take the damn doll. And the girls do their spell, which involves pouring Piper's blood onto the doll and then casting the spell. And 
<laughs> okay, I like this so much because uh, it's uh, it's ritual magic. Mm-hmm. They've got the doll, they've got the blood. They're reading out the incantation while holding the doll up to Piper. It, God, this is one of my favorite sequences in Charmed. Just kind of the desperation of it. The camera movement is really intense. The camera's kind of swaying in a way that builds the tension. Also, the doctor is trying to come in and Prue is using her power to hold the door closed while simultaneously doing the ritual with Phoebe. And, okay, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I know that we just went on my rant about personal gain. Mm -hmm. But to be fair... They did say that this is an awakening spell. So the things that they said in the spell that would happen were the disease would be gone, everything would be awakened, and no and would sleep no more. So it could be that this is not an issue where personal gain came back to bite them in the ass, but rather a case where they did not structure that spell properly. Okay. To be fair, they got it out of the Book of Shadows. Also, th- which brings up a whole different set of issues, which is why are these spells that are, I guess, kind of by their nature, personal gain in the Book of Shadows? I mean, I guess there's a non-personal gain reason to awaken something. Mm-hmm. But... Is there a non-personal gain thing for the love spell that's in there? No. Like. There's, there's, there's not. Okay, I have to do really like this. Uh, Piper wakes up. They let the doctor in. They're like, hey, look, she's better. Everything's fine. And then Phoebe drops the ninja doll into the biohazard disposal bin. Okay, which so, kind of makes me laugh. That's a that's a funny kind of beat. So, maybe it's not a personal gain thing. Maybe they just didn't finish the ritual because, you know, maybe part of the ritual is destroying the doll afterwards. Oh well, that would definitely change what happens. But I mean, I'm going with what they said should happen is literally what happens so maybe they're just terrible witches mm. well if personal gain wasn't there they could probably rehe- rehearse practice a little more <laughs> so piper's up she's fine she's doing better wait uh, but do we want to talk about this ridiculous special effect that happens yes we go inside the hazardous materials bin where the doll is lying laying lying lying that all is lying in the hazardous uh waste bin and its eyes open evilly yes the doll's eyes shoot open and the doctor is uh not sure what happened he's like okay so you don't have a bite anymore and you seem to be fine now and you definitely shouldn't be fine Even if you came out of the coma, you should still be kind of sick. Yeah, you don't go from literally on brink of death to perfectly okay without other things happening. So. Okay, this is the thing that really kills the episode for me. Although I'm getting the impression from the expression on your face that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I kind of love it. The 
doll is alive now. In fact, not alive. Awake. Mm. The doll is awake now. And he's like moving around. His eyes are open. And he looks like... What was that show with marionettes? Oh, Thunderbirds? Yeah. He looks like Thunderbirds. (laughs) So, it wakes up and it stabs its little sword out of the hazardous materials bin into a nurse who feels a jab on her leg next to the hazardous materials bin and then it's just like huh that was weird and wanders off okay a couple things here yes i mean obviously she should be concerned because she just got jabbed by something while standing next to the hazardous material bin but also the bin itself is like a cover with a bag hanging down from it, but there's nothing around the bag. People are throwing sharps into a bag that has nothing around it. Maybe, How do you change the bag? Maybe she's so blasé because she's getting jabbed with sharps all day long. This is a terrible hospital. It really is. No wonder they feel uh, free to bring people there. It's probably like 15 bucks a visit. <laughs> Anyway, the the ninja doll cuts its way out of the bag and is loose in the hospital now. There's a doll loose in the hospital. So Piper has changed into a sexy outfit so that she can party at her club. Is this still like later the same night, basically? Um, like She yes. collapsed earlier that night, yeah. Yeah. It's now about two, three in the morning. And Dan is dead on his feet, but all of the girls have so much energy. Like, they've been awoken. Yes, never to sleep again, like they said in the spell. Which, in a different episode, I feel like that would have been a good twist. That would have been a good personal gain response. You cast a spell to bring one of your sisters out of a coma, and as a thing, you can't sleep. But no, no, we have to have the the doll. We have to have the doll stabbing disease into people. Also, I feel like it would have been okay to just have the disease start spreading. You don't need the weird thing where the doll stabs it into people. But you made choices. Over in the corner, Prue and Phoebe are doing a schoolyard hand clapping game. Which is just charming to me. And... Piper comes up and is like, hey, you, uh, you did a spell to bring me back to life. What about personal gain? And they're like, screw personal gain, you're our sister, which is the right response, by the way. Mm. And... Prue points out that she's going to go to, she's like, you know what, I'm going to go to work early because I've got so much energy. And Piper's like, ooh, that's a good idea. I'm going to clean up the club because... I also have energy. So not only is she not sleeping, she's moving at like hyperspeed, running around the bar cleaning up. This doesn't come back at all. Also, that's not that's not what never to sleep again means. Never to sleep again doesn't mean you move at super speed. And then Phoebe's all like, oh no consequences but honestly working super fast and efficiently doesn't feel like a consequence to me what does feel like a consequence is 
all of the people in the hospital who are getting sick with the same disease that Piper had. A disease which you'll remember you get from the bite of an insect, meaning it's not airborne. Mm. But it appears to be airborne now. It's not. It's the doll stabbing it into people. But as far as they can tell, it appears to be airborne. Then we have a version of that trope where the FBI or whoever come to a small town and they're like pushing around cops in the small town. Although in this case, it's a CDC guy. Yeah, it's a CDC guy and a doctor. And the doctor's like, I wouldn't have called your filthy kind out here if I wasn't totally confused about what I should do in this. You know, I'm, I'm just a small town doctor here in San Francisco. I, I don't like having to call in the big bad CDC, but... You know, this is a big, bad disease. And he lets us know that this is all Piper's fault, even though disease is not anyone's fault. Mm. Back at Buckland's, Prue is like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely fake. This is definitely not a real Monet. This painting, which is a metaphor for our relationship, is, you know, it looks like it should be real, but it's not. It looks like it should work, but it's just not working. Are you getting the subtext of what I'm saying here, Jack? And Jack's like, It looks perfect, but we can't keep pretending it's real. God. Okay, wait. I have to ask you something with your art degree. Okay. So, this is a Monet. I mean, it's not. It's fake. But we're meant to think it's a Monet, right? And looking at the painting, it looks like... Uh, it's pointillism, which was Monet's style, right? Uh, God, I think so, yes. But he also used, I believe, watercolors was his big thing. Well, that's the thing. They're not saying Monet. They're saying Manet. Manet is a different artist. Who is a different artist. Are they confused? Or does Manet's stuff just look similar enough? I'm going to pull up some... It, it does not look like Manet's work. Manet's work did involve pointillism. You know, Sunday afternoon in the park. Oh. Or, I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon on the island of so-and-so. St. Edward's Island? Yes, I believe. But, like, his stuff was more people-based. Okay, can I see some Monet paintings? Those were, like, water lilies, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, this is... Well, you know what? I don't know what they're going for here. I don't know if they're supposed to be authenticating a Monet or a Manet. <laughs> does it, does it, does, it doesn't matter. I just, I noticed that. I noticed that this, to me, looked like the style of Monet. Hmm. and But they were saying Manet, who I know is a different artist. So that's, and the captions say Monet. But whatever, doesn't matter. Especially doesn't matter because it's fake. It is a fraud. Yes, and... It, but the important thing is that it's a convincing fraud. Ah, just like their relationship. One of the things I appreciate about art fraud as a crime is that it's honestly kind of one of the least harmful crimes out there. Well, art itself is only worth what people are willing to pay for it. Yeah, the value of a piece of art is not intrinsic. The value of a piece of art is based on the way that it makes the viewer feel. And I know that that's not true. I know there's, like, a speculator's market. I know there's, like, a whole thing. And But 
if you're buying a piece of art because you think it's going to increase in value and not because it speaks to you, well, that's on you. Buyer beware. Mm. There's a there's a episode of Mad Men where one of the uh, the heads of the agency has purchased a Rothko, and everybody sneaks into his office at some point during the day trying to figure out the meaning of the Rothko because they think it'll give them an insight into their the boss. boss. And at the end of the episode, he lets one of the guys know that the reason he bought the painting is because his art guy told him it would double in value in a few years. I feel like Rothko is probably a good investment. Yeah, especially this Mad Men, so 1965. Yeah, Rothko was a great investment. Yeah. But it's one of those crimes where I feel like it doesn't super hurt people. Yeah. And, like, again. If you can't tell the difference, what is the crime? Yeah. It's not like kidnapping. (laughs) Although here... Prue can tell the difference. And she says this is clearly one of his students. This is somebody working in his style with near his abilities, but not completely. Hmm. And, and, and obviously somebody has forged the signature because you can apparently she can tell that the area around the signature has been changed from the original painting. So somebody altered it after it had been painted to make it look like it had Monet's signature when clearly it did not originally. But it doesn't matter. This whole thing is just... I don't think it looks like particularly either artist. I mean, it, it probably is a, recre- a recreation of one of their paintings, I'd imagine. But... I mean, it doesn't matter because... It's a cityscape. Whatever. Anyway, so the important thing is that the subtext of the uh, conversation was about their relationship, and in a broader sense, her relationship with Bucklands. Yes. Meanwhile, the CDC is ETing P3. Yeah, they are quarantining the club because, you know, the disease that Piper brought into the country by not going through proper channels with this fruit that I guess she absolutely had to have. And she looks so irritated and angry. And I'm like, Piper, you seriously did bring this on yourself. See, I don't think she deserved to die for bringing in the fruit, but she definitely deserved to have her place of business shut down until it was deemed safe when she made it a hotbed of disease by not following the guidelines that are there to keep people from getting diseased. This is what happens when stuff isn't regulated. Yeah, I mean, she went around regulations, but yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, her doctor is, I feel like, violating quite a bit of doctor-patient confidentiality. Well, he's giving a press conference. I think he's being careful because he's not talking about any one person. Well, he says that he can't say the name of the initial carrier, but it did start at P3, the club owned by Piper Hollowell. Piper Hollowell, the owner of the club P3. And it's like, okay. Yeah, you're right. That's not great. Like, maybe this would hold up in court as you not directly saying it, but. I would love to. We cut to Dan in his house watching the news and he's like, wait, what? (laughs) I thought we were through this plot. And he grabs his jacket and runs out the door, which is good because the sisters appear to have been quarantined 
And it doesn't look like they've been given the chance to call anyone or do anything. But at least they got quarantined in the same room. I mean, that makes sense because they're a pod. But, yeah. At least they can talk to each other. and They have the power of three now. (laughs) They can use the power of three to break out of this quarantine. Yes, exactly. So, Piper's like, okay, it turns out that a bunch of other people have this disease, so... Look, just undo the spell, call Leo, and have him heal me because I don't want to be responsible for other people being sick. And they're like, actually, we already talked to Leo, and he said he wouldn't heal you. By the way, can they hear us in here? We've said a bunch of witch stuff, but can they hear us in here? And Piper's like, eh, probably not. Yeah. I like that they took a moment to establish that the girls can talk privately because otherwise... It seems weird that they waited until this far in the conversation to do it, though. Well, I mean, let's be honest. That was for our benefit, not for them. Yes. So they realized that they awoke the disease in addition to waking up Piper. And they also realized that they haven't slept because that was the freaking line of the spell was that they wouldn't be able to sleep. So, consequences. Yeah. Well, well, well. (laughs) If it isn't the consequences of my actions. I do think that this is a really strong moment for Piper, though. Piper is going to take the disease back into herself, even if there's no guarantee of something magical coming to save her. Yes, she wants them to undo the spell, knowing that that will kill her. She's willing to sacrifice herself, which is good and noble and since she is front credited she will not have to go through with that yeah since she's front credited and not shannon doherty which is lucky because you know who's not front credited who that kid from earlier in the episode the ninja doll is sneaking into his room ready to kill yes wait what he was better shouldn't he have been checked out by now i mean presumably they want to keep him in because he was He was sick three hours ago, and then he was cured an hour ago. I guess, but he really did seem to be on the verge of being checked out when he gave Phoebe the ninja doll, and now he's in bed asleep, but whatever. So, the doctor comes in to yell at Piper for getting unexpectedly better, although apparently it happened to that kid, so... mm. Well, this is important, though. He ran her blood, and it doesn't have any antibodies from the disease. So he's like, you got better, but your body didn't fight off the disease. It just vanished as if by magic, and that's not how medicine works. And maybe if we figured out why that happened, we could figure out why this disease is suddenly airborne and six other people have it. These are all very rational things for him to be asking questions about. Yeah, he's kind of posed as a villain in this episode, but... He's a doctor who wants people to stop getting sick. Oh no, what a monster. Like, really? Really? So, the sisters figure out, you know, have to reverse the spell, blah, blah, blah. Only problem is, they're stuck in the hospital and quarantined. If only one of them had a power that let her be in two places at once, that would be so super handy right now. I... (laughs) I like this because Prue is like, oh, but I can't really control my astral projection. And they're like, yeah, bitch, we know. None of us could control any of our powers at the start, but we figured out how. So, you know, 
do it. Figure out how. What else are you going to do? We're literally locked in a white room with nothing else to do except figure out how to astral project. So get on that. So she has to focus a little longer than normal and then she instantly astral projects to the right space. So so she astral projects herself into the attic so she can find the reversal spell in the Book of Shadows. Did not even miss a little bit her first time trying to do this long distance. Yeah. I like a, a doctor walks by and she's just kind of standing there with her head bent down because, you know, she's not in her body. She's astral projected out of it. And the doctor's like, is she okay? She's just kind of standing there with her head bent down, not moving. And the sisters are like, she's fine. Don't worry about it. And the doctor's like, okay, if you say so. So Prue memorizes the spell. She astral projects back to the hospital. And she's like, okay, repeat after me. Spell time. And they do a spell. Also, the camera does the same kind of circular dolly movement that it was doing before when they were healing Piper. Except this seems like a a more controlled movement than that one was. That yeah. one was kind of a more wild movement. So I just, I do appreciate the kind of interesting cinematography that this director is bringing to the, to the episode. We got some really good sinister low down shots of the doctor earlier when he was approaching the room. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. It kind of sucks that it's paired with the really dumb visual of the ninja doll about to stab the kid. And then getting turned back into a doll so that it just falls down. Speaking of falling down, Piper falls down. She is dying again. Yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, doctor, you know how you said that she didn't have any antibodies and this didn't make any sense? Well, I guess you shouldn't have mentioned it because now she's in a coma again. And Piper dies. Yep, Piper dies. Is this her first official death? Yes. Yeah, Prue is the one who died before to cast the spell. Yeah, to fight the uh, poltergeist. Or I guess it was just a regular ghost, but real angry. Yeah, so yeah, this is this is Piper's first death. And when she dies, she goes to the afterlife... And in the afterlife, Leo is able to heal her. I guess he was able to do it when she got sick enough. Yeah. So. I think that the thing he said about how this wasn't inflicted by evil, so he wouldn't be able to do it. He just said he wasn't sure if he would be able to. So I think that part was just wrong. He is able to do it. We get one of those really dumb ghost effects we got in the uh, episode with the baby when Piper dies. And then she goes to a set I don't think we ever see again for White Lighter Land where it's like a sunset land. Well, here's the thing. I don't think this is White Lighter Land. We'll see White Lighter Land later. I think this is really like limbo. Death. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is the place where Leo was able to heal her without the elders stopping him. He does mention that it's sort of a place between life and death, and it's where he can meet her because, you know, he is both alive and dead, and she's currently going from one state to the other. But basically, he had to wait for her to be almost dead 
before he could heal her. And now she is, and he does, and... I think, I mean, he had to wait until her spirit was no longer in her body. Yeah. So he basically had to catch her on the way up to heaven. Exactly, like in Soul. God, yes. He uses her healing... He uses his healing hands to cram her back into her body, and he's like... She's like, are you sure? Can't you... Aren't you gonna get in trouble? He's like, yeah, but I, like love you and stuff so it's okay if i get in trouble for saving you she's like isn't it weird that i'm wearing my hospital gown into the afterlife but i get to wear my own bracelets that is weird and he's like shh as he pushes her back into her body (laughs) so the doc shut up back on earth the doctors actually call time of death and then she wakes up and dan is standing over her holding her hand as she wakes up and says leo and i laughed and i laughed and i laughed i poor you know what poor dan like i i haven't felt bad for him before because he kind of knew what he was walking into and he was doing this thing where he was pressuring her and making her move so fast but damn that's cold i love it i love it so much you can see his wee tiny heart shatter into a thousand pieces if you pause the episode you can see the moment where his heart breaks uh yeah it's pretty great so back at bucklands prus quit apparently yeah because apparently the her boss was pressuring her to say that the painting was authentic when it wasn't and so she doesn't want to work in that kind of place which is fair that's a good reason to quit but also it's not a good reason to pivot into the career path she ends up pivoting into no it's more that her boss's behavior is not rational so it's it feels so clear that they were done with the auction house and they needed to get her out of there it's fine if that's what they wanted to do, if that's where they wanted to go with the show, but it feels irrational for him to all of a sudden be like, authenticate this, even though it's obviously a forgery that will definitely not come back to bite our auction house on the butt again. Although, I guess, to be fair, I do work my day job in the real estate industry, and back in the day before I was in the business, I know that a lot of real estate people did a lot of shady things that did come back to bite them in the ass when the bubble burst. So Mm. maybe, maybe I should stop estimating what people will and will not do. So she talks about how her sister's near death was a wake up call and she shouldn't spend her time doing things or people she's not all that interested in. And Jack's like, so we're breaking up, I guess. Jack's like, so we're done with me? Is this, is this over for me now? Do I have to find another TV show to be on for about four episodes? Yes. Yes, you do. Well, she basically, she basically, she's like, shh, we're not breaking up because our relationship got retconned. And then she literally kisses him goodbye and walks out of his life forever. Never to be seen or heard from again. And then Lachlan Monroe was stuck with a job he didn't want, but only took so that he could romantically pursue her. That's true, right? I mean, he'll probably quit himself. Yeah, he is, as was stated in the first uh, episode he appeared in, he was, and presumably still is, independently wealthy. 
hey, so now that he's not pursuing Prue, he'll probably quit Buckland's, and then uh, Prue's boss can be the one who has to run it all by himself. Good luck, dude. So, back at the club, everyone's wearing their fanciest bodice. Yeah, I I mean, it's club wear. It's what club wear looked like. Also, I'm not going to lie, Phoebe is wearing a top that appears to have been made out of a cut-up pair of jeans, and I have a pair of worn-out jeans that I was going to use for scrap material, and I think I'm going to try to make that for myself. Meanwhile, Prue is looking like a... Someone from what the 70s considered the future? Well, it's like a shiny metallic spaghetti strap top. Crop top. So, they're at P3 and they're like talking about how things are going to be real complicated with Dan because she said Leo's name when she was coming out of the coma. And Piper's like, I was just saying Leo's name because we shared a celestial significant moment at the point of, you know, the point where life and death meet. I had just seen him. If I had just seen a axe-wielding clown, I would have said, I take the axe-wielding clown. God. But then Leo ruins everything by walking into the club, and Piper's like, oh no. And she's like, so, did you get Angel fired? And he's like, I got put on Angel's suspension. But that does mean he is a human now, and he tells her that now that he's a human, he is coming for her. They are going to date, and he is going to pursue her. Okay, so the logic he's going with here is, look, since I don't have my powers anymore, that means we can date and it's kosher. Except I know that this is a temporary thing and that we won't be able to date once I get my powers back. So it seems kind of like I'm just jerking you around, but apparently I'm not. Unless his plan is to date her, marry her, have kids with her, live a full life with her, and then when he dies, become a white lighter again. You know what? Solid. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wanted to like this episode so much more than I did. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. I I do like the episode. I just don't like the implication of personal gain. If it wasn't for that, if if it was just, wow, we really should think about what words we say when we're casting spells because this can go really, really wrong and not, oh no, personal gain, I would have loved this episode. Honestly, there's, there's so many ways this could have gone. Like... I, I like the idea of Piper, by using magic to circumvent the disease, causing it to infect other people. Mm-hmm. I do like that as like a, oh, this is why witches don't use their magic to cure diseases. It's just, why did you have to add the weird thing where they had super speed and couldn't sleep? And the doll. And the doll. You hate the doll. I hate the doll. It kills, it kills the gravitas of... Oh no, this disease is spreading out of control now. I don't think I can emphasize enough how ridiculous the doll looks. And it had to be expensive. It was this expensive, unnecessary thing that was less creepy than if they just had the nurse go, <clears throat> after walking out of the room. Yeah, right? Hmm. You know what? Sometimes less is more. Yeah. But aside from that, there were some really good... There were some really good scenes. I honestly really liked the moment between piper and leo with this space between life and death mm-hmm. there was some good camera work we're gonna see the doctor again in the monkey power episode because hmm. i guess if it was 
the 90s adjacent, you had to have a chimpanzee in your show at some point. That makes sense. Yeah. Or a monkey of some kind. Friends had Marcel. Yes. Who was also... He, he was, was the outbreak monkey, he was, bringing it back around. Yes. Uh, so we're going to tap into our own power of three. The first power in our pack is premonitions, where we look into the past, present, and future and see what actors are, were, or will have become famous. Nobody. I mean, you will recognize the guy who was the doctor in this. The guy who was the doctor, the vaguely sinister doctor. He has 123 credits on IMDb. He's been in stuff. His name is Matthew Glaive, and the thing he's probably most recognizable from is being Drew Barrymore's terrible fiancé in The Wedding Singer. Hmm. But like I said, he has 123 credits. You've, You've seen him in something. If you've seen a procedural show, you've seen this guy. Yeah. I did want to bring up a different kind of premonition, though, that we haven't really talked about before. All right. Uh, the director of this episode, Anson Williams, mm-hmm. who some of our some of our listeners may have been shouting at their iPod earlier when I mentioned that he was the director of this episode and did not also tell you who he is. He is Potsy from Happy Days. What? <laughs> what? He went on to become a director. That's random, although LeVar Burton directs an episode later, so. I mean, uh, he went on to become a director. That doesn't seem that. uh, Ron Howard went on to become a director. He directed television, though, basically. A bunch of episodes of Melrose Place, Beverly Hills 90210, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oof. So, yeah. Okay, well, good for him, I guess. Yeah, I was I was excited to tell you about that one though. <laughs> was he forced into it because he wasn't cute anymore? I I don't know if he was never really cute, was he? I have never seen Happy Days even once, so Wait, really? I think you showed me the episode that Mork was first in. I think that might be my only experience with Happy Days. Oh, I'm sorry, hold on. Oh, okay, never mind. I, I'm just scrolling through his credits. He did six episodes of Baywatch. Wow. Yeah. And he did a few episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my premonition. Or, in this case, a past monition for this episode. Oh, and one other, like, minor thing that it also doesn't really work, but whatever, I'm going to throw it out there. The uh, The hospital that they shot in is... The building that is often used as a hospital, and most notably, was the hospital used for Sacred Heart in Scrubs. Uh, so, premonition, this hospital will later be the hospital in Scrubs. I think that'll take us to our second segment, Time Freeze. What, if anything, specifically dated this episode for you? Okay, so I specifically did not say it when it happened on screen, because I knew I was going to save it for Time Freeze. Mm-hmm. But when Leo shows up, having had his wings clipped, he has frosted tips in his hair. Because he's an angel, and that was the 90s version of having a halo. Yeah. Frosted tips. So, the only thing I really have for Time Freeze is that sweater that Prue was wearing... You know the, like, long one where it looked like, 
where it was like tan but it had like the weird triangle pattern on the back oh yeah yeah that felt era appropriate i guess i mean it didn't feel like something i'd ever seen anyone actually wear but i'm actually pretty sure i had a sweater very similar to that in my freshman year of college so yep yep on point on point time period wise but other than that this had very uh, relatively little 90s or early 2000s in it yeah there wasn't a lot to kind of anchor it in uh in this decade it's kind of interesting how little certain hospital equipment has changed still a lot of beige so that'll take us to our final segment telekinesis what if anything moved you during this episode i guess i guess i would say that i was moved by the scene where holly marie combs where piper tells them that they need to reverse the spell even if it means she's going to die yeah i feel like that is the emotional high point i also really like them casting the spell to bring her out of the coma because it felt way more raw than spell casting usually feels in this show mm-hmm. and it felt not exactly a word but witchier than charmed usually feels with its magic yeah, it was, it felt more grounded. Yeah. But yes, the emotional high point was definitely how Marie Combs talking about, you know, being willing to die. Mm-hmm. Are you going to talk about astral projection? Okay, I, I wasn't going to bring it up for sure because we do have another power in our pack, astral projection. What scene made you want to physically leave your body and God every time that ninja doll was on screen? Okay, so for me, I kind of found the terribleness of that effect cute. Endearing? Yeah, endearing. Mm. No, but when Piper wakes up and says, Leo, then yes, I wanted to leave my body. The, the secondhand embarrassment of that moment. That hit us differently. I literally laughed out loud when that happened. Uh, but yeah, those are our four powers of three. Yeah, so that'll about do it for this episode. What have we got on the docket? So our next episode is called Animal Pragmatism. Oh, dear. A group of lonely mortal women at university cast a spell that turns three animals into men who wreak havoc on the town. Meanwhile, Prue adjusts to life being unemployed. So. I vaguely remember this episode, actually. Yeah, this feels like it should be one of the standout Charmed episodes. I feel like I, I vaguely remember somebody having, like, one of the guys was a rabbit or something, and he has a nose twitch or something, and the other one was, like, a snake or a pig or... I remember this episode really reminding me of the far superior movie Earth Girls Are Easy, which I might have the urge to watch after we watch the episode. God. Have you seen that movie? Uh, I have, although it's been a really long time. I mostly remember um, Gina Davis's best friend was like, if Tabitha Smith, if Boom Boom was a real person. Mm-hmm. And she does the blonde song. Yeah, she does the blonde song. And she was like an actual like comedic songstress in real life. And the scene where it's revealed that all of the aliens are actually hunks once you shave them. Oh, of course, by hunks, you mean Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, Ed marlon wayans back when jim carrey and marlon wayans were 
young and hot conceivably sex objects i mean jim carrey did also play a nerd in uh that vampire movie he was in once bitten once bitten which i genuinely enjoy even though it's really bad it's fun and it's like campy fun yeah yeah i it's the whole plot is that he's basically the only over 18 virgin so he's in just like all of america vampire bait yeah so he's vampire bait and it's like hokey old school vampires and isn't it played by someone like vanna white or something i don't remember who the vampire is but isn't his love interest courtney cox no no you're thinking of the uh he-man masters of the universe no i know she was in that yes i don't think she's the love i'm we might have to rewatch once bit oh no it it literally opens with them driving to a city to a club where every table has a telephone on it, so you can talk to everyone in the club just by dialing their table number. Yeah, apparently that used to be a thing. Like, for sex reasons? I Is it so you don't have to actually approach anyone? I don't get how that would work. I mean, you would like, call and you would like flirt with people, and then they you would approach their tables if that's what you wanted. I don't know. I don't know. I'm... I, I'm old, but I'm not that old to remember how that worked. You know what one spent might pair well with? My best friend is uh Is a vampire. Yeah. Or or that um or that werewolf movie. Not Teen Wolf, the other one. Ginger Snaps? No, I don't think it would pair well with Ginger Snaps. <laughs> it would pair interestingly with Ginger Snaps. Oh, you know what else? If we're gonna make a night of it, we should also watch My Boyfriend's Back. Oh, we should. The movie where they could not afford the song the movie was named after. <laughs> Oh, although all of these movies are 80s comedies, so they all have super problematic elements. Yeah. For example, My Best Friend is a Vampire does not have the gay panic you think it would have, but it it does have... A lot of dubious consent. Yeah, I was going to say an attempted rape, but I think it's more in, I guess, dubious consent territory. It's not good, but it's not homophobic. And Once Bitten is fairly homophobic, but... But it's not sex negative. In fact, sex solves the problem. Yeah, it's not sex negative. It is... Alright, that's enough for our 80s horror comedy. (laughs) That's enough for our 80s horror comedy (laughs) corner. I do kind of want to do that movie night now, though. When we can have movie nights again. Yeah. So, that'll about do it for this week. Yeah, that'll about do it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Mm-hmm.